0: All right, now we're recording. What is up, guys? Welcome back. I hope that you're having a phenomenal week. Things here. This time, we're for real. Yeah, this time, we're for real. I promise. My name is Chris. I'm a Green a medic, a husband, and a father.
1: And I'm Pastor Eric, and uh, that makes me also a Bible teacher, but I am still a student of God's Word.
0: Absolutely.
1: My father,
0: actually. So be-
1: and a son that I'm very proud of. I, I really
0: appreciate that. All right, coming at you guys this week, we're going to be talking about <laughs> the Dunning-Kruger effect. What is it? Why should you care? I'm going to let you know why. We're going to cover the latest headlines and who's who and what's new. Things got spicy this week. Really, they're you know, it's just kind of par for the course at this point. We're learning how to deal with it, is what it is. You mean like
1: a, a red hot chili pepper kind of uh, spicy?
0: Was, I'm thinking more like a ghost pepper, so it's Ooh. getting things are getting spicy. And then we're Ooh. going to be talking about Eli and how not to high priest, uh. Yeah, that would that would be an accurate statement right there. All right, All right, and also how not to father because I'm sure that's going to come into the story as Absolutely. well. Absolutely,
1: right? big big part of the story. All right,
0: well I'm excited. I'm ready to get into it. Are you ready to get into it?
1: I'm ready to do this. Let's kick this pig. All
0: right, here we go. All right, guys, we're going to jump right into the big idea. And for the big idea this week, I want to talk about what's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Really quick, before we get off to the races, just do a little bit of housekeeping. We're trying something new this week. Instead of doing like three little 10-minute real quick, fast, digestible sections, I'm going to start doing some more long-form Uh, podcasting the episodes are going to be a little longer you're still going to get the same three segments that you're used to the big idea who's who what's new and the keeping the main thing the main thing or our bible study on the end but we're going to push them together into, squish them together, as it were, into one big episode to drop on YouTube, and then I'm going to pull the clips off. I'm going to drop them over on Instagram for you guys, uh, you know, just to give you a little bit of, uh, just to whet your appetite, you know. But hopefully, I want to, I want to bring you guys back over here to either Spotify or YouTube, Apple Podcasts, some of the podcast platforms, so that you can enjoy more of our longer-form episodes. And to be honest with you... We were having an issue uh, condensing our thoughts because we have a lot of big thoughts in these little <laughs> heads of ours. And condensing our big thoughts into into those little 10-minute episodes, I wasn't really enjoying rushing through the topics that that we were covering that quickly. So that being said... Uh, I may even go back as we're doing these longer form episodes and rehash some of the topics that we touched on once before so we can really flush them out. If there's anything that we missed uh, or that we rushed through before that you guys want us to go back and really, like, dig into and flesh out, by all oh. means, drop it down in the give comments. Us, Let yeah, us know give us some comments. what topics that you want us to uh, to go back and recover. All right. That was the housekeeping issue. Now... Runners, take your marks. Kaboom, we're off to the races. So here we go. The Dunning-Kruger effect. Have you ever heard of it? Uh, No. Okay. Well, lucky for you, I have the power of the internet at the tips of my fingers, and it looks (gasps) a little bit something like this. So this is the Dunning-Kruger effect. As you can see, uh, basically represented on this line graph you have down here competence on your x-axis is that correct did i get that right x-axis axis yeah mm-hmm. uh, and then the y-axis here you have your confidence so basically the dunning-kruger effect represents the true competence of a person over time In relationship to their confidence in performing a certain task. I'm going to break that down for for those of you that maybe three three syllable words were just a little bit too much. (laughs) It's the idea that when you start doing a thing, you don't know how to do it very well. As you learn how to do a thing, your confidence in doing that thing shoots way up super fast. Until you hit a point where all of a sudden – and this is what I really want to talk about and why I think it's important for us to understand. Until you realize that you don't know what you don't know and then your perceived confidence in doing a thing falls way off down to what's an appropriate level and then rises with your competence in doing that task. I'll take you back to the chart, and I'll explain what I mean. Let's say that you are a pilot, and you're learning how to fly an airplane. You start down here at know nothing. I do not know how to fly this airplane. Then, as so this represents me knowing how to fly an airplane or being good at it, and this represents me being confident in flying that airplane or feeling good that I know what I'm doing, right? So as you start learning to fly that airplane, your confidence is going to shoot up, especially the first time maybe you get it up off the ground. It gives you, you know, the training pilot gives you the stick for the first time. These are your ailerons. Go ahead and dip the wings. Go ahead and dip the nose, rise the nose. All right, all that stuff. You do it. Your confidence shoots up. This represents the, oh, this isn't that hard, right? Right. Yeah, you haven't had a crosswind yet. However, it, that's that's where I'm going. <laughs> However, notice where your actual competence is, how much you actually know about flying the airplane is very, very little. All right? All right. All right. Here at this point, the peak of Mount Stupid, this is where... <laughs> I love the way that they they labeled this, this chart. This represents the first time that that pilot in our current scenario, our metaphor here, you said it hits the crosswind. It's the—I would say—it's the first time the pilot experiences that "come to Jesus" or "oh crap" moments. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is all of a sudden you realize the
1: landing gear is not coming down. Right.
0: Something you know they encounter the issue that they've never encountered before, and then as you'll notice, all of a sudden, I realize that I don't know what I don't know. And for pilots, I, you know, if any of you guys that are pilots out there, check me on this, but I want to say the danger zone is around like uh, under 10,000 hours or something like that, or right around there. I've heard it said because you have enough hours under your belt again for your confidence to be way up here, but you haven't really experienced any of those really scary things that can happen in the air that let you know that you don't know what you don't know. But then as you can see, once you hit that first oh crap moment, your confidence falls back down here to what's a more appropriate level commiserate to your actual level of skill in performing this task, in this case, flying an airplane. Mm
1: -hmm. Then Mm -hmm. as
0: you track forward from there, (laughs) now I realize I don't know what I don't know. Then your competence and your confidence start rising together at an appropriate rate, and then over here, this represents somebody that is truly a master of
1: their craft. Okay. Right. So Mm -hmm.
0: did I? Did did I explain that? uh, Yeah, I. I, Yeah, you gave me enough.
1: I got a good understanding and and lots of lots of examples. Right. So.
0: So I gave my example with flying the airplane. Uh, you you go ahead and and dive into to yours that you.
1: That oh, but mine are all personal. I don't know that you want me to go there.
0: Uh, okay. Moving right along <laughs>
1: <laughs> because they involve you. Um, oh, you know what? You know what?
0: Free fire zone, man. It's full send.
1: You think so? Yeah i there i got go I this. got thick skin. Okay. Um, little green tracker. (laughs) Um, yeah. Yup. Do you know where I'm going? Oh yeah. Um, I rolled that bad boy. (laughs) That's, that's the one. Uh, And I, and I told you that please don't, that, that thing is horrible, horrible in snow. The, the width to length ratio is not right in them. They tip on dry ground. They're worse in snow and ice. You remember it that. They uh, remember that episode of uh, VeggieTales. They tip over. <laughs> yeah, trackers and do that. Geo trackers, yeah. guys. Geo tracker, and uh, and and I I said to you, be be careful. Don't play around in that thing. It's dangerous. Um the only thing that I remember about that is I wasn't the one who got the phone call that it got tipped. Yeah. Weird, weird about that. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, um, so, <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, but now I've, it's not a, not nearly a similar, uh, situation. I think everybody
0: can appreciate if you've got two people to call to bail you out of a situation, the one guy that told you not to do what you were doing that gets you in that situation <laughs> if you if you have a, an option between a and b, i'm gonna go with the guy that
1: didn't who you gonna specifically
0: call? <laughs> tell me not to do the thing that i got caught doing
1: right that's what happened yeah. that's what happened that's yeah, how that that's what ends. that's. yeah that how it, that's how it ends but um you know i i had um many, many hours on a, on a motorcycle, uh, many miles, many hours, uh, very, very good driver. Um, and I, I had put one down, um, before, uh, and, and had had traffic issues and have been able to maneuver in and out of them. But on one particular night, uh, doing 30, 35 miles an hour, I had a lady that, uh, with a light misting rain going on outside, um, she ran a stop sign and I put the bike down, um, and I've never put a bike down like that. I fishtailed with it because of the wet that was on the road and it felt like it was going over on my left. And I, so I pulled hard on the right and I ended up pulling the bike down on myself And I hit the ground so hard my head, wearing a helmet, head bounced off the ground later, I found that that helmet was cracked. Um, So, you know, it, you know, it it did what it was supposed to do for me. Um, And the bike goes scooting off and uh, from between my legs and just goes sliding on its uh, on its crash bars. And as it goes through the, I had just filled it up and the air hole that's on the gas cap, I can see gas coming out of it and sparks are flying at the, at the same time as it's going away from me. And I'm just going, no. And it was like, it was in slow motion, but it wasn't. Um, it took me the longest time to be able to ride a bike in the rain again. Um, without just, just, just tensing up. And, and, um, yeah, uh, that, that became a situation for me. Uh, and I learned something, uh, about that. Uh, and I always thought that I was good at being incredibly a defensive driver. I, my, my senses became even way more heightened than that. I got some internal bruising. I learned what that's all about and, um, how long that that can hurt afterwards. <laughs> um, And I, I I didn't realize about that. Where your love affair with ibuprofen began? Uh, Um, Ranger candy, baby. I can, I can, I can, I. Yeah, I can identify. You know, you'd just be (laughs) sitting there, and you would go, and all of a sudden, your your chest. Oh, all that hurts. (laughs) I can't do that. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's the first time that I had learned that. Um. Yeah. I didn't know what I didn't know. I, I mean, I learned to put a bike down and all that, but there's a difference between putting a bike down and being in a situation where you're not in control and you drop one. Um, earn, learned a lot more respect for a bike after that. Absolutely.
0: So the, why? Right? Why am I bringing this up? Why am I talking about the Dunning-Kruger effect? Well, I'm going to tell you. Guys, I think that... All the stupid people in the world? <laughs> I think that humility is one of the marks of a true, mature, professional person. All right, Humility is incredibly important because it's going to keep you from these oh-crap moments. I don't care who you are, what you do... How long that you've been doing it, there are, to quote Donald Rumsfeld, right, for anybody that remembers this speech back in the day, you have your known knowns, your known unknowns, and your unknown unknowns, which was his way of saying what I'm trying to tell you right now, which is, you know, you you can plan around what you know, and you can plan around what you know that you don't know but you can't plan for what you don't know that you don't know and there's a lot of people out there that aren't mature enough to admit that they don't know what they don't know or even worse don't realize <laughs> that there's stuff out there that they don't know or things about this uh you know this craft or this task that you're doing that they don't know people are afraid
1: of being wrong is what i'm trying to get at well okay so let's ferret this out just a little bit um there's a big difference between and, and this is what you're going for you, you if you're going to talk about the humility of it there's a big difference between going um yeah you know and and I think the word that we're looking for, the word that is opposite of, um, uh, of humility is not pride. It's arrogance or hubris. Well, I, I would prefer to say arrogance sure. more, more, more people are, are, are familiar with that word is, is arrogance because arrogance will force you. Arrogance will, no, not force, propel you into, um, uh, doing all these things. It, it, there is a source, uh, uh, an instrument of pride in here, but it's arrogant not to say, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Absolutely. And, um, but, and arrogance will run you into this. Well, let's see here. I, I, um, I think we know this and I think that we know that. And So obviously this is the, the, the best situation that we got, yeah, um, isn't it now? Um, <laughs> well, when and, you, and, when you and, put and, it and, like that, <laughs> yes. And, and so we're going to run with it because, you know, I know, um, whereas, uh, humility would at least stop and say, I got to go research this. I don't, cause I don't know. I I can't. I can't give you an answer. I, I, I don't know how that is. Yeah. Um, I can't give you advice. I, I don't know. Um, and, and <laughs> that's one of the things, uh, we got lots of ministers and lots of priests and lots of preachers that love to tell people how that they should live their life. And that right there should be a, a huge, um, uh, red flag to people to say, run, if somebody's going to tell you how to live your life, run. They can give you principles, but that's about as good as it can get. Why? Because God's got a path for everybody that's individual. And, and you know, there's just kind of this thing that God normally doesn't tell somebody else what your path is. So if you get somebody that knows what you should do, run. No, oh, there, they there, don't. There, there's
0: a few points along the path that are similar for everybody. They're the same for everybody. Like the cross for instance, Granted. right? The 10 commandments, but, but correct.
1: But then above and beyond that, I
0: agree with you. I, I agree. With yeah. You.
1: And, and, and so I, I'm, you need to be leery of people that go, you know, I, I, Oh man, here's one, uh, from the circles that I come from, this has been used and it, it is such a crutch by people in order to have authority that does not belong to them. God told me, <laughs>
0: Oh,
1: did he now? <laughs> <laughs> Was that an audible voice that you heard? Uh, you know, I would really like to know how it came to you. The word of the Lord came to me. Um, I, I you know, that, that's, that, that's, that you make people smile and run Yeah, when people say that kind of stuff to you. Um, there would, um, another one, if you got somebody that's working and doing counseling with you and whatever, and if they use this phrase, run, I know how you feel. Yeah. No, no, don't, don't say that. That's a trap. <laughs> that, that's a trap. They've never walked in your shoes. They have never, they've never been in your skin. They have no idea of exactly how you feel. They can share with you maybe similar experiences that they had and how they felt, but they're not in your skin. They have no idea how you feel. Absolutely. So moving back over here to the chart, guys,
0: humility. This is, this is the big takeaway. If you take nothing else from this, this is what I want you guys to remember. There's two things that I'm trying to save you from. The first is this monumental fall right here of hitting this peak Mount Stupid and just falling way off down here because you didn't have the maturity or the humility to recognize that you didn't know what you didn't know. Staying humble will keep you on what the optimal path would look like and that would just be trucking right along here so that your confidence and your competence in doing a thing rises together at an appropriate level. Or, and this might be even worse because you're going to be that guy, you're going to be the emperor with no clothes on guys and everybody's going to be laughing at you. Mm. What could even be worse is you rocketing up here and your confidence in doing a thing just continues to sail but you never actually get any better at it. And you just continue to sail and don't even recognize that you're doing stupid stuff so that you can fall back down because then you'll always be stuck over here. Like I said, the emperor with no clothes, but not really ever gaining any traction or competently performing the task that you're trying to accomplish at all.
1: And that, and that something... might be the
0: worst, because everybody's going to be laughing at you, and you're going to be that guy that is just too arrogant to to even admit well, that you're wrong. Here's a,
1: here's a truth that I, I don't know if, if they put in there or not, but it is true. In, in that particular diagram, the greater the rise, the... The farther the fall.
0: Absolutely. And you come crashing.
1: Guys, I man,
0: that you punched me right in the feel bads with that one. I have had some some meteoric falls in my life, and it's because I was wasn't willing to admit that I was wrong or see what I was doing (laughs) that was wrong and man I fell flat on my face because of it.
1: Well, here's maturity. Uh and you you talked about you used the word maturity. Here's maturity. You can't, there's always going to be things that you don't know. Um, I and and that that causes being blindsided. Uh one of the things that God has used on me is I hate being blindsided. I hate it. So it is in my nature to try and discover everything that I possibly can. In order to take away being blindsided, because I hate it, I, I I I can't begin to tell you how bad I hate being blindsided, not being able to see something coming. I didn't see it. I didn't recognize it. I um, was oblivious to the signs. Wow. What whatever having that a pathological it, what it need
0: was. to be in control is its own <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> is its own blight. <laughs> It's not about the control. I, got, I was it's just about not seeing it I'm coming. I'm just poking I may not some be, fun at you, because the one thing that I have learned is seeing it coming. I can, I may not have control, but I can get out of the way. Sure, you know, I know what you meant. Uh, I can avoid. I can delay. I can, you know, get around whatever as long as I can see it that thing that crashes into you from over here, the blind spot and just boom and just nails you. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Uh, I've had, um, I've had a few of those in my life and it has been my aim in life to actually negate all of those that I possibly can not a bad way to live. Hey, I hope that you guys enjoyed
0: the big idea this week. I hope the Dunning-Kruger effect, I hope that made sense to you, and I hope that you were able to take something away from this that you can apply to your own life and it will help you become more successful as you're moving forward. That's the point of these big ideas that I have. Just trying to help you guys. I'm honestly Absolutely. I'm sharing things from my life where I get the bulk of these is because these are things that I've messed up. <laughs> and so that's where I get this ammunition from. Geo
1: tractor. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, thanks for that. To share with you guys. <laughs> so hey, if you guys like the video, please leave it a thumbs up if you got anything or you wanna if you agree, if you disagree, you want to correct us, you wanna tell us that we're way off base, hey, light us up in the comments below. I dare you, please. I read every single one of those things. And uh, when we respond to you guys, that's really me responding to you. So please mm-hmm. let us know. Uh make sure that you subscribe, make sure that you follow, and I hope that you guys are sticking around for the keeping the main thing, the main thing, and the who's who and what's new because we still have the headlines coming up. And our Bible's biggest screw up this week, Eli and how not to priest. <laughs> so that's a good title. <laughs> I'll see we'll see you guys over there. See you there. Right, moving right along, we are going to dive into who's who and what's new this week. And I gotta say, things are getting spicy out there.
1: Yes, I got yes, we talked about that. You called this a ghost pepper kind of thing. Yeah, it
0: really is. There's a couple of stories that are really uh this week was mm, trying to come up with like one word to describe it. If I had to come up with one word, I would say uh surprised. Like I, I was genuinely surprised by some of the stories that I grabbed out this week. And that's coming from somebody that I kind of pride myself on not being able to be surprised anymore. Um, but we got some big ones. So uh, just going right, to let you guys it. know like I do every single week. We have not crosstalked these. We haven't shop talked nope. these. I went out and I nope. I found what was trending uh, today. Uh, yep. Now the ones that are the most interesting to me. And I'm going to throw them up here. Yep. And we are going to talk about it. All right. So yep. right out the gate uh i think this is kind of like what started the week um uh this was the big hubbub this is what everybody was talking about so uh here from the hill we have nashville mayor orders investigation after leak of school shooters writing um so to catch you up on this story uh you got let me hold on i'm gonna i'm gonna do something here really quick. Uh, All right. Boom. We're turning off the countdown this week, so I just want to go back so nobody's confused by that. All right, cool. So moving right ahead. Uh, do you know who Steven Crowder is? Yes. Okay. So Steven Crowder, uh, pretty big on YouTube for those of you guys that don't know. Uh, if you subscribe to my channel and you're not subscribed to his, haha, <laughs> take that, Crowder. Is he still doing louder with Crowder? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's his main bit for sure. So. Okay. He's actually recently started uh, an undercover journalism section to his growing media empire, I'm going to call it. Uh, And those guys really hit one out of the park this week. They were able to get a hold of three pages from the manifesto of the individual that shot up that Christian school in Nashville Nashville. about eight months ago, killed six, three adults, three children, I yep. uh, I cannot condemn in stronger terms how much of a garbage human being I think this person is. I would even go as far to say that if you are able to cold-heartedly look down the barrel of a weapon and gun down innocent children, children that's d- that's mm-hmm. demonic in mm-hmm. in my account. Mm-hmm. Right? Because mm-hmm.
1: in order to it just is, man. That Yeah, the severance of conscience that you have to have in order to do that kind of thing um, yeah. is is uh, definitely beyond the pale of a uh, personality disorder. Beyond the, beyond that the
0: pale. That was a good way to say Beyond it. the pale.
1: So anyway, Crowder was able to get
0: a hold of three pages uh, anonymously sourced to him, uh, and he published them. Made quite a stir some of the writings that came out of this Yes. manifesto tracked right mm-hmm. along with what you would expect from somebody uh, that shot up a predominantly white suburban Christian school
1: mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. the writing I, I'm not going I'm not
0: going to show them here to you guys check your mic is it am I good Buzzing. oh is it buzzing a little bit Hmm. How, there you go. how about now all right cool thank you for that all right cool so uh youtube google uh all of the legacy media immediately started censoring the story started pulling it down any posts that had these pages portrayed in them started getting pulled down and it was very easy to see right away that there was a narrative that had that was being challenged uh and and the powers that be did not want you the people to see what was written in there i'll let you go out and do the research to find it yourself uh it's still posted all over the place
1: yeah once crowder did it uh people grabbed it and um uh, the story that caught my attention to how i even got a hold of it was that um meta we all know who meta used to be right
0: it's facebook right
1: about uh, Facebook, okay. I just wanted to make sure when I say that, but Meta, if it was posted on Meta, they took it down. Yes, they wouldn't let it be shown. Uh, but other people grabbed it and it went up on other formats. And so, uh, good job by all those other people that w- very quickly realized that uh, we have uh, entities that want that information squashed.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and that's the biggest part of this story that I think is the biggest uh, pull out of this story is just how much they want this information censored. They don't want it to get out. It is very damaging to the narrative. Suffice it to say, the shooter was very forthright about the fact that they targeted a school. They were uh, very forthright specific about the fact that they were targeting Christians, that they were targeting white people. That was very evident and very, Specific about the fact that they were targeting a structure that they hoped did not have sufficient security to rebuff their attack. All of that was in
1: there. Also showed how long it took to plan. And took the you know, we have people that are at different levels of being a believer in God, in Jesus Christ that, that, uh, tune in and and watch us. And I think, but every one of them have a level of understanding of decency and how God wants us to treat our fellow human beings. Um, in his manifesto, he also,
0: now, now you guys are going to be mad at me,
1: but no, I'm going straight for it. It was a then. chick. If you're going to if you're going to do that, then I'm doing the well. It
0: thing. Really quick inject into what you're saying that that became part of the narrative is that the person was a female that said that they were a male and that they were transitioning to a male, but then after Correct. their death, shot by police during the incident, nobody knew what to call this person because in their own in her own manifesto she signed her writings with her quote unquote dead name is what they'll say it. But the name that she grew up with, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. which is not the name of, not the masculine name of the identity that she was trying to is. And it, it was funny watching people mentally jump through the gymnastics of like, Oh, oh well, how are we supposed oh, to handle this? We don't yeah, know. It's, it's because ridiculous. they were mentally ill.
1: Uh, ridiculous, uh, but where I'm going with it is the idea that uh, our our listeners and the and, de- and decent decent humanity um, will pick up very quickly on the idea of what true Christianity is, or or at least have. We're we're all in that same box about how God feels about his creation and what he asks of each of us to have um, decency for our fellow person, our our, our fellow created. And in that manifesto, um, it prays to God and says, help me to kill as this is I I'm almost got it at at a quote. Help me to kill as many as I can that was a prayer that was actually in the manifesto
0: i i don't i don't even know what to do with that <laughs> i don't even know what to do with that
1: not the first time that that this kind of a thing has happened with that kind of a prayer um, there was a, a guy who believed uh, this is back in the late '70s. He believed that an angel of light came to him and told him that he needed to kill a doctor that was doing abortions. And so he waited. He stalked the guy for a couple of weeks. They they did some of the footage and could capture images of him around the outside uh, as as much as I as I abhor. Um, Abortion. Uh, abortion. Uh, you know, I'm not going to do this. I will pray against the guy. I will talk to the guy. I will I will ask God to do all kinds of things. But I know that God is not asking me to commit murder uh, because that's exactly one of his Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not commit murder. So anyway, um, this guy stalked him and the guy come walking out after hours. He met him in the rear parking lot and put four slugs in him. Uh, At about uh, less than 10 feet out of a um, out of a 357. okay. and his defense was God told him to do it. Now, it's things like that that make the rest of us believers Mm. look just a little crazy. That's a that's a black eye for
0: sure on God's people.
1: Okay. And the, and and but anybody that knows anything about Christianity will tell you that's not Christianity. And that's why it's so stinking demonic. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. To put a, an exclamation point on the end of this story and really emphasize how this whole thing is about the censorship of the issue after publishing these three pages, the mayor of Nashville has ordered an investigation, which now we're back around to where we started with the headline, has ordered an investigation into just how these pages were able to get leaked to Stephen Crowder. And then breaking, uh, most recently, seven officers from the Nashville PD have been put on leave, administrative leave, pursuant to that investigation.
1: Hmm. So... Tell me well, again, again who is
0: me... the bad guy in this story? Okay,
1: but let me ask you about ethics here, uh, young man. Um, because I'm sure that military or being in in any type of um, of of uh, that kind of a unit that has to do type of policing or or that kind of a thing, where where do your loyalties lie? What? How do you see it uh, ethically? Uh, you have this information. Uh, but you're told, you know, uh, to keep it TS. I mean, right. you've, you've got information you've got to do that with uh, as close as you and I are. And I and we're we talk to each other about everything
0: nearly except <laughs> the things
1: that you can right. What what ethically. Where do you fall on that? I, I, I mean, explain that to us and your audience. I mean, yeah. wh- what's your measuring stuff? I mean, that, that's a really
0: good question, you know, and, and up till now, I would say that it's always been the – is. The understanding that what I'm doing is supporting and defending the Constitution of the United States, which is why it's so important uh, – historically, it has been so important to understand that your loyalties don't lie to a person. Your loyalty does not lie to the person that's in that's sitting in the presidency of the United States in the Oval Office or to your military commanders. It's to the Constitution of the United States, and that's – Which is your oath. It, it, uh, your
1: oath is directly to correct. that, correct?
0: Right? Right. Uh, yeah. And so for me, that has always been my North Star and my guiding line. As long as what I'm doing is supported in the Constitution and is not immoral and unethical or illegal as it, as when it, as it pertains to orders given to me, per the Constitution, which is why we've always had that no-fail line— the law is above everybody. Nobody's above the law regardless of rank, status, or position. That's always been my guiding line. I feel that whoever did, if, the, if, it, if it was a, a police officer in this case that leaked this stuff, might have taken a look at it and felt like, just from the outside looking in, I just want to cash my statements, right, and put a fence around it.
1: Right, you have no insider I have knowledge. none. This,
0: this is this isn't about that. Right. This is but simply a guess. It would it would seem to me that they looked at it and they felt like the orders that were being given to them pursuant to these matters were ili- were unethical, possibly illegal and immoral and possibly they felt like they uh broke you know, the first amendment of the constitution saying that there's a right to free speech. There's certainly a right for the press in that first amendment, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. so, but to capstone and answer your question, for me, it's always been the constitution of the United States, something, something that's written in black and white and does not change. And that's very, very important that the constitution does not change.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, and and this is an issue that our peace uh, officers and our uh, military uh, have to face. There's there's been many a cases. Uh, UMCJ, it's called, I believe. UC- Did I get that? UCMJ, the Uniformed Code UC- of
0: Military Justice. Uh,
1: many uh, uh, people have been prosecuted because there were illegal acts that they committed even in warfare. Uh, you, there, you have, uh, um, you have a code. We do. And, uh,
0: you know, a great example that people like to bring up is during, you know, Vietnam, right? There are a
1: lot of atrocities in Vietnam. Right, There were
0: people that were ordered to, or uh, allegedly were ordered to commit, war crimes and their defense in court under the UCMJ was just that I was ordered to do that but many of them were still convicted because even underneath the UCMJ you cannot be ordered to do something that is like go to back to those illegal three things hacks. illegal mm-hmm. unethical or immoral and so mm-hmm. I was ordered to is not a is not a proper defense for no.
1: And, and speaking of, <clears throat> of, of, Vietnam, uh, a lot of guys, what ended up happening is they saw, uh, if I get this correctly, the Viet Cong mm-hmm. and they saw how they fought and, um, oh man, nasty malicious stuff. Mm-hmm. And after a while, not being able to strike back in the same way, uh, you would have small units that would do things and then just psychologically take revenge uh, because of the things that they had seen, because, you know, it builds up, it builds up, it builds up. And um, and so they did things like that. Well, then law came down on them yeah. um, just because the other side does it doesn't mean that you get to revenge and do <laughs> that or worse atrocities back at them. Right. Um, so um, it's um uh, I would love to talk about war's, this all war's day a nasty, too because this, a nasty business. yeah,
0: I love military war's history. But unfortunately, yep. we got to move along. I got more stories here for you. So this, right, this one broke uh, two days ago. All right, here we go. Uh, from the New York Post, U.S. lawyer caught gunning down climate protesters in Panama allegedly delivered chilly chillings. Excuse me, warning. <laughs>
1: Is is that supposed to be a a chilling warning Uh, for climate? Climate, man. That's I didn't even catch
0: it. That's (laughs) bravo, New York Post. All right, it was chilling. So so
1: this guy is this guy's name
0: is Kenneth Darlington. For anybody that wants to go out and look this story up to watch the video of it, but pretty pretty wild. Climate protesters cut off a highway leading into and out of Panama City, most densely populated city in Panama. They cut off traffic for several hours. Capital, isn't it? I believe so.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Somebody, you know, if I if we get that run wrong, feel free. Light us up. Yeah. All right. So Please. anyway, uh, this guy is a dual citizen, Panamanian American citizen. He's a lawyer. He's 77 years old. He exited his vehicle. He approached the climate protesters. There's a, <laughs> there's, out. there's the, the video is the video is <laughs> he, he's re- re- reaching that age of like, don't give a care anymore. I've spent all my cares, which
1: remember that, that, that talk that we had when you were, and I, I, I told you about old dogs. Yeah. Don't mess with old dogs. <laughs>
0: well straight up so anyway he approaches the climate protesters in the video you can't hear what he's saying i'll leave i'm not going to play the video for you guys you can go out and look it up yourself if you like which is why i dropped his name but he approaches the climate protesters you can see him gesturing for them to get out of the way uh he reaches in his waistband he pulls out a pistol he brandishes it he starts using it to point at people and again point gestures with the pistol where they should be moving off the road. None of them move. And then ooh, he ooh. opens fire and he kills two of them on camera Oh, and just, okay. And, and shoots them. And there's a, there's a photo that's rocketing wow. around the internet right now of this guy right after he's pulled the trigger. And he, you literally you can see a casing that's flipping up by his face exiting the pistol, but the action pose of the photo is pretty cool um just from a mechanic standpoint but what i found <laughs> what I found to be more disturbing is the look on the man's face as he just pulled the trigger uh and engaged another human being and it is just the the coldest. Most stoic expression that I've ever seen on on a man. A I there is if there's any emotion in his face whatsoever, it's just as if he he's like I I have decided. It's just it's it, well. Just I was
1: just getting ready to ask you resolved. what's the psychology. <laughs> Okay, what's what's the psychology? Okay, we, I've always, uh, and I'm sure I had this talk with you when you were younger, and that is, you know, when things start escalating, you know, do you want to take it? This is the psychology. Do you want to take it up to this level because each person keeps going this way and this way, and 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 he automatically took it up here. yeah, here's here's the other level. He took it up here, he way higher. It wasn't just a, a level over. He took it up here, okay? And they matched him. Where's he going to go after you brandish that weapon? That w- What's the next logical step? Right. I mean, you don't brandish a weapon unless... You're willing to use it. You're inten- you intend to use it. it. You brandish it. You don't intend to use it. You lose all power. Correct. So he brandishes it. It does nothing. There's only one step left. Yeah. Well, there there could have been one more step. I was waiting for him to f- at least fire it in the air or possibly shoot close to them at the ground. I'm not afraid to use it. Bam. Next one will be in you. But he didn't go there.
0: No, he took that escalation Is that of what force you're saying? to the end of the tracks.
1: <laughs> he, he, yeah. So where, where do you go with it? And so when you talk about that look on his face, that just means in his mind— He already, he went there. I think this story
0: is also pointing out just how over it people are. I mean, like people are sick and tired of watching the rule of law being bent to one side, watching one group of people that have a certain political persuasion being able to get away with doing whatever they want. And now you're starting to see The logical outcome of, well, if those that are in charge of providing the governance are not going to govern, then who does it fall to to start governing? And so I think that you're going to see, I'm not talking about violence when I say this, but I think you're going to start seeing escalation. I'm not going to talk about lethal force necessarily is what I should say. But you are going to start seeing that escalation in other areas besides just these climate protesters because people are sick and tired. And I think that this, yeah. this to me, is a canary in the coal mine, my man. I, I just... I agree. That's, that's what I have to say about this story. Well, it will, it's yeah. very fascinating to me.
1: Just to wrap it up, um, this thought crossed my mind. If he would have actually used the vehicle to move them, he would have legitimately more of a case to defend himself and say, they were illegally on the road. I gave them opportunity to, gave, to, to get off of the road. And if he ends up hitting someone because they were on the road and they died, um, I, I mean, we all know we, we have laws about pedestrians on on streets. They they're there to cross at a certain spot and and so forth. There are certain streets where pedestrians do not have right of way. Okay, so they wouldn't have been protected. But to pull out a gun in front of a camera,
0: yeah. and like I said, wow. man, that that a lawyer, that look, a lawyer, yes, and that's gotta be when I said his face looked resolved, like yeah, that dude had already. I get he made up his mind. Yeah, And being that he is a lawyer, I mean, he's got to know like the logical outcome of what he was just doing. And to me, it's very like you could tell that it was the decisions of him. He, th- this man was going, this is my final act as a free person. Like <laughs> I would not be surprised, <laughs> you know, if you he has
1: tell. some form of malady or disease that he is expecting to lose his life in a short period of time. I wouldn't be surprised it,
0: that would. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me at all. All
1: right. I got one
0: final story for you. And this one, when I said the number one word of the week is surprised to me, th- this is the big this surprise? one was the one, uh, right here. So we're going over, over- that last one. Yes. <laughs> so we're going oh, yeah. over to Politico. Israel berates New York times, CNN Reuters. Did I say it right this time? Yeah. Reuters, Reuters and AP over Hamas attack. Photographers, so this story is absolutely wild. Israel- I
1: just was re- watching a thing on this story okay. just before I came so in. So I'm
0: tracking upwards of f- at least four photographers that were sending back real near real-time images from the events on October 7th. Yeah, And yep. Israel is accusing, alleging- that these individuals had prior knowledge of the Hamas attacks on October 7th, because of where, and that these photojournalists, uh, self proclaimed, were not only there in a journalistic capacity, but were actually aiding and abetting Hamas and then taking the photographs while they were there. At least one of them was video taped on the back of one of those little motorcycles that they zip around on over there they're closer to mopeds holding a grenade in his hand on the way to the them, border
1: one of them is pictured with the Hamas leader yes. giving him a kiss yes yes that on that day so
0: now this is yeah this to me it's so wild. I'm going to start with the subtopic of journalistic malpractice. Dan Bongino, hat tip, made a very, very good point that, you know, journalists, uh, like their job is to be up where the action is, and that's how we get the information, near real-time information for these these events that take place. However, and this is his quote, there's a big difference using 9-11 as an example from being... Uh, at Ground Zero, watching the buildings come down and photographing the planes as they're impacting the buildings, and being on the plane, helping the individuals take over a plane so that you could be there to capture, like you know what's happening in real time. That was the the example that he made. Maybe a little bit on the hyperbolic side, but I think the point stands. There's a big difference in. Getting caught up in the violence and looking around and you're like, I'm taking pictures of all this crazy stuff that's happening and I got my press pass and knowing that something's going to happen. Oh, you guys are going to break into such and such a place at this time. Yeah, I'll meet you there so that I can photograph
1: it. So there's a, those, those are two very, very different things. Okay, I'm I'm going to throw a little monkey wrench at you here. Are you ready for this? Yeah, go for it. Um, y- you're applying a an American journalist uh point of view. That's, that is that is very fair. <clears throat> Un- okay. underneath the First Amendment, um, right of the so
0: press.
1: Yes. Yeah, First Amendment. You're putting it under a U.S. Mm. Constitution understanding of the press and how it works for us. So much so that it's written into our Constitution, and our press, we have a great need for it to supply truthful uh, uh, information to our culture. Uh, they're spo- they're put, supposed so to be the, the, the it, sheepdogs of democracy. So we supposedly. put it into the Constitution. Yeah, supposedly. So we put it into the Constitution. These aren't Americans. Correct. Um, They're obviously pro Hamas or Hamas would have never had called them to say, Hey, allegedly, you know, allegedly, uh, that picture, I'm sorry, that's not alleged. Well, he was there picture. He was there and, uh, he's getting smoochy smoochy from the head of, of Hamas. Okay. Which, which means that, uh, according to their culture, uh, they're brothers. Yeah. That's, that's the point of the kiss. Oh, we're brothers. And, uh, so, so no, so I, I don't think when Dan Bongino says that, by the way, I did a good thing earlier today. I called him Dan, John, John John Bino. Bino. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I got to remember to tell Chris that Dan, John Bino, (laughs) now I've got it messed up for you. You're not going to be able to say his name. I'm not even going to try to
0: again, because I'll mess it up too. (laughs) Now you've planted that seed.
1: (laughs) Um, anyway. So, you know, you I, I get it. We we would like to say all journalists, but not every journalist is from our country is going to obey or run by our ethics. So to expect them to, I think, is a is a, is a little out of character for him to 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 characterize that and say that. I mean, they're pro Hamas. They're there in my mind. They were I, I mean, I think they're scum because of it. But in their mind, they're there to photo journal the history of this Hamas strike against Israel. That that was their purpose. That was their point.
0: Now, absolutely. But then layering back on on top of what you were saying, that's the reason that Israel is pushing back on those four Reuters, AP, CNN and New York Times, because, hey, those are American News organizations. And so they are absolutely and making... should be held to journalistic ethics.
1: Right. So they produce the pictures uh, that these photojournalists take and pay them for them. And that's how they get their money. So th- I find this right they're interesting. I don't know if you've heard this, but CNN and MSNBC the one the the journalist that was getting smoochy smoochy from the head of Hamas right um uh CNN and MSNBC have uh already terminated their relationship with him
0: yes well because no. they got caught what? though
1: but what does that say when CNN and MSNBC distance themselves from you
0: no absolutely so
1: i that speaks volumes i think the biggest uh-huh. takeaway from this story
0: is However bad that you thought the legacy news media was, and however mm-hmm. corrupt that you thought that they were, mm-hmm. this absolutely proves unequivocally that they are far worse than, <laughs> than, what, than you, you than even you thought these people will <laughs> crawl into bed with anybody to make yeah. a quick buck yeah. and say what you want about Hamas. They have got their information operation game together. They had CNN and New York Times on speed dial, my man, sending those photos out immediately on top of their set narrative of what it was so that they could get ahead of it. It's the old, you know, a lie makes its way around the world before the truth can put its pants on. That's because these people are shuttling the lies at the speed of electronics. So, so that to me, that was the, the, the biggest takeaway. All right. This without a doubt proves the corruption of the legacy news media and reinforces why you have got, you have got to, you owe it to yourself in the age. We're getting ready to go into AI guys, the age of AI where the computer is going to be able to move faster than the human brain can compute to keep up with it, to understand that you're being lied to. You're going to be lied to 10 times before you'll even be able to understand what's happening. All right. Things are getting ready to spin out of control. You owe it to yourself to do your own research, to develop trusted sources, to learn how to go out, vet everything and prove the veracity of what you're being seen. I'm going to leave you with something that, uh, Old Grandpa Hambrock used to say, God rest his soul. All right. Don't believe huh? anything you hear and only half of what you see. And that half, that 50% is starting to go down too. So that's what I want and to leave is- you guys with this week. Those are the headlines on who's who and what's new. I hope you guys are enjoying the the longer form. Uh, Episode format that we're trying out this week if you got anything that you want to comment below on the stories if we messed everything up if you want to provide more context you feel free to get down in there and beat us up with everything that you're worth Uh, we read every single comment that uh, comes with the territory, because we're small potatoes here, we have to. I am the, uh, <laughs> I am the public relations arm of all of this that that happened. and chief editor. Yeah, I'm, i You're looking at it, guys. <laughs>
1: and chief editor. All right.
0: So, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Please make sure that you're giving the video a like. Make sure that you subscribe. Make sure that you're following. Help us defeat the algorithms by sharing the video with a friend. And make sure that you're sticking around because coming up next is to keep the main thing the main thing. We're we'll be talking about Bible's biggest screw ups. Talking about Eli and how not to High Priest. We'll see you guys over there. See you there. All right, guys, we are going to keep the train moving. We're going to roll right into the keeping the main thing the main thing. And for that segment this week, we are continuing our talk on the Bible's biggest screw-ups. For those of you out there that might be just a little more astute, you might have kind of noticed the pattern that I've been following, but I've been trying to do an Old Testament figure and then a new testament figure old testament new testament and last week we talked about judas iscariot judas the traitor it's a new Mm. testament figure so this week we are diving back into the old testament and we are going to be talking about the high priest eli yes i've always loved that name by the way i thought eli is always a cool name
1: yeah, and once you get to know the character, nah, it's not full name, <laughs> not at yeah, all. Yeah, and we are going to be talking about how, uh,
0: as as our theme of this Bible study implies, this is a screw up of the Bible. So, yes. please, Pastor Eric, take us through our study of the character Eli and how not to high priest.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, Eli, first of all, that means that he is born into a family of high priests. That's how, uh, in the old Testament, you were able to be a priest in Israel. And by the way, that, that goes all the way down to today. Um, if you are directly one of the sons of Aaron, uh, you get to be high priest, uh, in the line of the priests that work the, the, um, the temple, if you are in the – and and Aaron was in the tribe of Levi, and if you're in the tribe of Levi, you get to work in the temple in some way, shape, or form, even if you're not from the tribe of Aaron. But the tribe of Aaron you have to – or the tribe, the family of Aaron out of the tribe of Levi – Uh, That's that's where the priesthood comes from, which, by the way, is being reinstituted as we speak. And that family line is being found and they have a school for a a priest school for them so that they uh, are training the priest right now. So all you have to do if you're kind of interested in that and you want to find out what that's all about, just go to um, templeinstitute.com. I believe it's the templeinstitute.com. And you can, uh, you can look all that stuff up. And uh, there's actually a lot of stuff going on uh, there right now about getting the temple all back together. We
0: talked about that during our, is this the end of days? episode i'll leave a link to that in the description below this video if you guys want to go back
1: and check out that video we talked about this very thing so eli comes from this uh comes from this family and by virtue of his family relationship that is how he gets into the priesthood and so he 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 does, he's doing his job, he's being a priest, and we find out uh, through one of the descriptions about him that he is old, going blind, and fat. Okay? So um, when the when the we read open up the book of First Samuel and we start finding out about Eli and uh, one of the other things that we find out is that his sons, if you read this out of the NLT, I kind of like the way that they do it. It says now Eli's sons were scoundrels. (laughs) That is the exact word that it uses in the NLT. That's the New Living Translation. I'll
0: switch I'll switch my Bible gateway over to the NLT for when we get over there. Okay.
1: Uh, yeah, that's in, that's in chapter three, I think two or three. Um, and so, uh, we, we start off the story of first Samuel about, um, um, his mom, Samuel's mom. Uh, she wants to have a son. She can't have any, uh, she goes and she prays. She asks God for a son and, um, it, it shows that Eli tells her that God's heard her prayers go away. So we kind of get a picture of Eli of being somewhat of a godly man, or at least knowing what godly things are. Okay. And then uh, we all of a sudden are told a picture about him. And in fact, uh, this picture that we get is that his, his son, as, sons, as they say, uh, Hophni and Phinehas are their names, uh, are scoundrels. They are literally stealing sacrifices that belong to God. Things that are supposed to be burnt on the altar, are, are, they're stealing them. Now, back in that day, when somebody would bring sacrifices to God, It was meant that the priest were to get part of the sacrifices that that was in there. God, uh, there's only one sacrifice and that's called a sin offering is all of it to go to God. But other than that, when there be peace offerings, meal offerings, um, uh, blood sacrifices for other types of sins and things like that, a portion of everything went to the priests. That's the way that that God had instituted it and, and so forth. And so the priests would be taken care of out of that. But Hophni and Phinehas, when they would look down there and they would see the animals that were being brought, if they decided they wanted something more, they just took it. Even though even though it belonged to God. In fact, there's a portion of the scripture in there where it says people would say, but, but the fat is to be burnt. That is my offering to the Lord. And, and they didn't care. And they would just go ahead and take and steal what belonged to God. That Can I,
0: can I interject for just a second? Please, so that, ahead. that really does something in my heart. Like I, like I, I, I get so angry because the treachery of that runs a lot deeper than just, them stealing like the sacrifice they're also stealing the not the innocence that's not what i want to say but like imagine a generation that's growing up um at the time and like you're a young kid and you're going to the temple uh to do the thing that god ordered you to do and to bring your sacrifice and you're doing it and then you see the priest act in such a way That completely degrades and tears down what your view of the holy things of God are. And like if the man of God doesn't even treat this with reverence or respect, then why should I treat any of this
1: with reverence or respect? You know what I mean? So that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. They're being taught that that. Is the level of respect that, that
0: that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to know, communicate.
1: They don't know any higher. Right. And so all of a sudden, holiness, um godliness, uh righteousness, you, you see how I'm coming down here. Right. All that is is down here because as a younger person, you expect that person to be doing right by God, and and that's what you see, right. and that's all the higher that it is. You, you don't know that there's something higher. Right, and we see the same thing in churches today. People are going yeah. into church. Yeah. And, Nothing new under and the sun. And people
0: that are supposed to be presenting the name of God, you know, priests and, and pastors, uh, fathers, they you used to wear... Uh, Almost like a uniform, right? The stole – I I think Catholic priests are still stole. Am am I correct on that? You guys let me know in the comments. We're not Catholic. Uh, But I believe that's that's the –
1: they at least have the collar, right? Some, and some are in coat and jacket, but, but there's at least the collar that goes along with it. Right. Um, There's still priestly garments when they're in the pulpit right? and you're, in, you're in church. Sure. And you are, you will represent
0: the name of God and people are going into churches today and they're seeing that and they are just so easily led astray. And, and I, not even like I'm angry at the so-called church leaders because they know that they have that power and that sway over people because people expect to be closer to God by, by I'm I'm coming to church to be closer to God, to learn about God from you. And then I'm taking the information that you're giving me and I'm I'm reasonably expecting that you're giving me the truth. From what I'm seeing in the Bible or for what you from what you're reading in the Bible. I'm expecting that you're interpreting the scripture to me to help me be closer to God. And like when when, when they don't and when pastors and, and religious leaders utilize the the word of God and and the trappings of Christianity or religion in order to do nothing but enrich themselves, they are not just stealing physical things from people. They are stealing people's souls. Yeah, it is. That is that is evil. There's a New
1: Testament. Well, there's a New Testament equivalent to this. And Jesus does it himself. Uh, He goes into the temple. He does it twice. But the, the one that comes to my mind is the one. Uh, Just before uh, his crucifixion, it's the week of his crucifixion. He does this, uh, what we call Passion Week. And he goes into the temple and we say he drives out the money changers. Okay, We, we try to make it simple and easy, but that's not it. And there's this main thing that he says when he drives them out. He says, you know, this, my house should be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Okay, So we kind of got to have to go over why he makes that statement. You see, the whole point of a sacrifice is for you to take an animal and that animal has to be without blemish. Doesn't matter if you're talking about a dove there were some sacrifices that you could take a dove. There were some sacrifice, some sacrifices where you took in wine, oil, and meal. Uh, th- th- that's referred to as a peace offering, and it goes directly. You're giving it for the priests. Those are, are. and just but just to, is still uh, offered on the altar. Go ahead. Uh, I, I just wanted to clarify what we're talking about for
0: anybody that might be unfamiliar. This is under the Old Testament Levitical law that God ordered His people to operate under. Prior to Jesus coming and giving his life on the cross, who became the the final sacrifice for all of our sins is what mm-hmm. we believe in Christianity. But I, I just wanted to clarify the point of, oh, in case deal. somebody's— confused by why are we talking about sacrifices wait we're supposed to be killing animals and whatnot well back then yeah. yes
1: back then uh that's that was the law of God and and so then there were sin offerings and sin offerings the blood went out over over it and then certain parts of the animal did, and a lot of it went to uh the priests and then there was uh other types of offerings that either had a lamb but in any of those cases You took care of all of those things, and you brought it in, and you gave God your best that you had. You would see to that animal that it was perfect. You would bring the best of your uh, meal, oil, uh, olive oil, wine, whatever it was. It was the best that you had, and you brought it in because, God, here it is. This is going to cover for my sin. This is going to pay for my family. This is so I'm giving you my best because I want you, oh God, to 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 receive my offering for my sins or or for my joy or or for the peace that I'm praying for upon my house. All those things. And so you bring God your best by the time Jesus comes around. What happens is that there's all kinds of stores and everything that's set up around the temple area where they would do sacrifices. And if you didn't have it, you could go and buy the animal and then take the animal up and have the sacrifice for you. And there you go. It's done. Your heart, you, you, you didn't have anything in it. You didn't, didn't put your heart in it. You didn't love That animal. You didn't love the the oil, the meal. You didn't put your hands to the laborers to make that thing happen. You just you went and you paid your money and you got what it was from the people outside and 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 then you then you offered it at the temple and and there you go. And 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 not only that, but the people in the temple themselves uh, was getting a kickback from. They were paying for spots. Nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun so that you could get the best spot so that you could sell your animals. And that's how the priests were making their money off of selling those spots so the people would get the best spots. And, And so Jesus walked in and he saw this. There was no heart in the sacrifice. What Eli was doing with his sons the priests were doing at the time of jesus the same thing in the temple the holiness rose no higher than this and that's what they were teaching the people in fact it become commonplace
0: well yeah commonplace that's exactly where my mind was just going with that because you know in jesus protecting the uh The temple of god and throwing the money changers out he wasn't just saying like i i'm I'm protecting the reverence for the temple and the sacrifice process but in another way too i see it as you know that whole thing that you just described for us when i care for the animal and i i lovingly i bathe it i feed it i make sure that this animal represents uh, me before God and is going to go and right, take right, my sin. Right. Uh, that is yep. a huge labor of love. You go to the temple and you throw a couple coins on the counter uh, and pick up an animal. Like you are literally telling God, like my soul is worth. How, I, a I, couple I, coins, I, I guess, right? A couple coins or however much that yep. you're willing to to pay for it, plus the thirty seconds that it takes you to to complete that transaction. And Jesus in protecting the temple is not just saying that the temple is, is worth being revered and the process is worth being revered, but your soul is worth more than that. And it requires the contriteness of heart and the, what's the word I'm looking for? It requires great action and sacrifice of yourself to go into this thing that is to be the
1: sacrifice for, for you depth of compassion. Yeah. Is that what you're looking for? I mean, you, you got skin in the game. That's that's the whole, that's what I'm trying to soul, soul in the game. Right. That's a better word. That's what I'm trying to point out. And of course, and so then you and I have, you and I have um, talked about this before that sets up the great picture. Um, and, and of course the, the meaning of you've turned it into a den of thieves. You're, you're not just, you're not robbing people of money. You're robbing people of a spiritual experience. Yeah. That's what you're robbing people of, and it just made Jesus so ferocious. And and this is the part you and I have talked about before. You know, you want to see Jesus get emotional. This made him incredibly emotional. We 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 say to each other, you and I, we 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 come up with these with these, uh, vignettes of what it looked like. Yeah. Right. It's not Jesus. Oh guys, I'm so disappointed. Oh, oh guys. Uh, would, would you please leave the temple? You've upset me. Um, no, we're, we're talking. Jesus went Hulk. Dude, they, they, he drove out the entire, he, we're probably talking like hundreds of people hundreds of people that are in this court area and he's picking people up, throwing them. He's got a whip. He's by the nap of the neck. He's just tossing tables. I mean, I'm telling you. And he roared like such a lion that people ran yeah. out of there. One man. Yeah. Hundreds of people. Incredible. It, absolutely. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't going to be by any timid fashion
0: at all. That's why when all the you lion- progressive people, christians tell me that we're supposed to be like jesus and be nice to people i'll meet you halfway i'll be like jesus yeah temple
1: tables i i'm telling you he roared so now back to eli this is where the so that's our new testament equivalent of the same thing and and when we see jesus get in on the on it what did it do to jesus's heart i mean he clears out the temple so God takes a look at at Eli and he sees what he'd done. So there's two people that go to Eli. Number one, we're told a man of God. That's all that it says. And he says, so basically, he's a prophet and God speaks through this prophet and he tells him that that you're going to die in your old age and your sons are going to die. End of chapter three. We go into chapter four, it starts telling us about E, or no, end of chapter two, I guess. And then we're going to go into chapter three, and we learn that God starts calling Samuel. And uh, in calling Samuel, when Samuel finally answers him, God tells him this little thing. He says what he is going to do to Eli and his son. So
0: just, just to be clear, his, his screw-up, since we're talking about the greatest scripts in the Bible, his screw-up was the fact that he, in his old age, let his sons completely run roughshod over him, degrade the temple, strip the reverence out of the sacrifice process. And, and he stood by went, and did nothing. nothing. So his sin is not necessarily a positive act that he committed like a thing that he went and did his sin is a sin of, of apathy and omission where he just stood by.
1: Yeah. Theologically what you're talking about is the difference between the sins of commission. That's when you do something with your hands against the known law of God versus the sin of omission. That means that you should have done something, but you did. I just want to point out that. and, And the reason
0: I wanted to, hold a magnifying glass over that is because we got a lot of men in this country right now, uh, that I'm talking to. And if this hits you in the feel beds, then I'm saying it in all love, but for a man to know, to do good and do it, not to him, it is sin. If you know that you're supposed to be doing something, God's calling you to do something, which we are all called to, love our families to lead our children, to be leaders in our communities to some
1: aspect
0: at some live level,
1: lives of integrity
0: and you are not, and you are standing by and letting evil men run rough shot. Then I'm
1: just saying, you, look at, you, look you, at you, Eli you, here. Like, yes, yeah, look at Eli. Cause that's what he was. See as priest, he had one job to take care of, of God's holy temple and to keep it holy. To take care of God's holy temple and keep it holy. He turned his boys loose and he didn't do anything about it. He didn't keep God's temple. That's the job of a priest. That's the job of a pastor. He has a church that he is supposed to run. His job is to see to the sheep in ways of righteousness when he breaks down and does not keep the righteousness of God in the house of God, he is a failure. He doesn't have to be a great preacher. He doesn't have to be a great, he doesn't have to be a healer. He doesn't have to be uh, know how, let me throw a big word at you. He doesn't have to know eschatology. That's, That's not his job. His job is to take care of the sheep and lead them in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's that's our job, is to feed the sheep and lead the sheep for the great shepherd. We're the hirelings. That's what he's left us to do. Eli's the priest. That's what he is left to do. He has a job over the house of God, and he is not seeing to it. So God sends along a man tells him what he's going to do to Eli. God then calls Samuel. He's just a young boy. And he tells him what he's going to do to Eli. The very next morning, Eli, and it's kind of the way that the story goes, three times Samuel hears a voice that says, Samuel, Samuel. He gets up and he goes running to Eli. And he goes, yes, you called me? No, I didn't call you. So go lay down. Eli. Or uh, Samuel. Samuel. Get out of here, kid. Back. You bother me. Bother me. <laughs> yeah. There you go. WC Fields. Uh, and he goes back. It happens three times. And finally, Eli says, you know, next time, tell the voice, uh, I'm your servant. I'm listening. And um, he does. And that's when God speaks to Samuel and tells him what he's going to do to Eli's family. Here's the catch the very next morning. Eli. Gets up and he says, what did that voice tell you? Would you tell me everything that that voice tells you or so help me? I will pray that God will destroy you.
0: Trying to scare the boy. What's the matter, what's the matter Eli? Does God not talk to you anymore?
1: <laughs> just <laughs> just saying, aren't you? <laughs> and he, so- so- he
0: sounds really thirsty, right? Sounds yeah. sounds like a man that, that now, misses that misses when God used to talk to him.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm having a um, camera issue here. You just keep rolling along. I'm gonna try and fix this. Okay. And so uh yeah, I'm gonna need you here in just a second because that's we're getting ready to do the scripture yeah. part. Because you see, that's when Samuel tells him everything. And it's Eli's response that is absolutely mind boggling. Absolutely mind boggling. So you, you got this, you got this situation where this guy tells Eli that God's going to destroy you. Okay. One person comes by and says, God told him that God's going to destroy me and my family because of my boy's sins. Uh, and I'm not doing anything about it. Okay. Um maybe I believe you, maybe I don't believe you. I don't, you know, do I know who you are? Why would I be listening to you? But all of a sudden you just went through this young boy being called by God and you yourself knows that it was the voice of God calling him because you gave him the words to say. Here I am, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak. Uh, I'm back. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. And technical <laughs> difficulties. And and you hear that so much, you know that it was God talking to him. So the very next morning, you make him swear to tell you the truth and everything that that voice tells you. And it's Eli's response that just absolutely blows me away. So if you have that for me, First Samuel chapter three. I believe it is. Can you call up the scripture that I gave you? Yeah, I
0: got you. All right. So moving over to our Bible gateway right here, guys. This is 1 Samuel chapter 3, beginning in verse 17. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me, all that he told you. So Samuel told told him, excuse me, now you're belching, you got me belching. So, Samuel, yeah, I know Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him.
1: Can you believe that? I, I mean, I, I don't for our listeners. Just I, I want you to catch this really quick. If. If hell and damnation and your destruction was told to you, would you not stop And cry out and say oh god I'm sorry be merciful to me forgive me
0: I guess all I have is some speculation but is this is this a man that you think is accepting yep I'm messed up Uh, I guess the Lord is like I'm getting what I deserve is that what we're seeing or are we seeing a man that loves his sons too much to turn from what he's doing now? Is this like a sunk cost fallacy that he, that he knows he doesn't have the strength to rein his sons in or the will to do so? Or is this a man that maybe has just given up entirely?
1: Well, Is there too
0: much no, guilt we're not- and shame for him to turn around now?
1: we're not told what this comes out of. We're not, we're not given that. Right. So that was all speculation. We have to leave it at speculation, but he, here's the facts. He has let his sons go for so long and do this for so long that God is condemning him for his sons. And he's not going to go do anything about it. So wrap the story up That's for us.
0: What, up. what, what happens? Is there a redemption arc in this one? What, no. what ends up, what ends up transpiring and taking place? So
1: his sons do what uh, literally they take the ark of the covenant and they go out with it thinking, well, you know what? God's going to work on our behalf. Now we talked about arrogance before. <laughs> uh, what what was the say se- uh our segment we just talked about arrogance the, the dunning-kruger effect competence it, it, over th- confidence this this is this is it yeah this this is i it. didn't and even plan for that <laughs> no I and didn't. remember remember yeah. how we ended that segment is the higher the arrogance yeah. the greater the fall right OK. And so, yeah, they go. Oh, you know what has happened in times past? We take the ark out and God fights our battles for us. God doesn't fight battles for sin. There's people. that wait. There's
0: that one guy in the back.
1: Hey, uh, my d- Hello? Yeah,
0: my my <laughs> da- my dad's told be the reason we used to take the ark out because that's what God told
1: us to do that. Get that guy out of here. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. Yeah. He's gone. No, we can't have negativity here. Yeah. That's not going to work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, and so they do, and bigot. they're they're <laughs> they're both killed in in this battle. The Ark of the Covenant is stolen away from the nation of Israel, which is the physical representation of God. Is the Ark of the Covenant, and the runner uh, who the herald that was there to watch it goes running back into the city. And when he comes from a far away, Eli is sitting at the gate uh, for that entrance, and he, and he's blind, and he's fat, and he's sitting on a log outside of the gate. And uh, he says, tell me, what has happened? And he, the guy gives him the news and says that uh, your sons were killed, the ark was taken. And when he says that the ark was taken, Eli was so shocked, he fell backwards off of the log he was sitting on and broke his neck. In the meantime, the word got to Phineas's, I believe it's Phineas's wife who was pregnant with uh, a child and uh, she went into labor, hard labor and the child died in labor because part of the prophecy was that the family would totally be wiped out. And it was in one fell swoop, just as the Lord had said. And if anybody wants to see something right now, you can go on YouTube and go to look at the digs that are going on. Well, don't go China right now. It. Stay here. Don't but, go right now. Finish this. Finish and then when I and then
0: tell you next.
1: <laughs> yeah. Do, do this after you get done with here. There you go. But they have literally they have been able to uncover the gate. That is to the north road that leads out to where those battles were. And so literally it would have been the gate that Eli was sitting at when he got the news that has been excavated it has been found it is a real place that exists i love i love
0: biblical archaeology and the more that they dig the more that they're just proving the the veracity of the scriptures it it so pumps me up so i have one more question for you what's what would be the takeaway for us this week what what's what's your big if 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 People don't remember anything else about this one, about the story. What would be the big take home?
1: God is slow to anger, quick to forgive. There is, if you seek his face, there is always forgiveness. But Eli, and I believe you hit the nail on the head uh, with the idea that He just didn't have it to deal with his sons, and so he gave up doing anything because he wasn't going to deal with.
0: And I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in right here because you're having some audio problems that is making you hard to understand. But I'm gonna repeat that for anybody that didn't catch it: Uh, the idea that Eli's sin was just that was a sin of omission. He stood by and he didn't have the will. Or the strength to stop his sons from what they were doing, even when God confronted him with his judgment, he still didn't have the will to step up and do what God asked him to do. Uh, and I think that that is, especially for us as men, is a huge, just red flag. Man, you look at—if you're like me and you're looking at, at your country right now, and you're looking at your community, and you're wondering just how we got here. It's because we've done this. A lot of us have just stood by and done nothing. And we are starting to pay for it. So unlike Eli, who just was like, Well, I guess the Lord is going to... Yeah, his wrath is coming. Like, we still have time, guys. Repent. Give your hearts to God. Love your families. Lead your children. Step up. Be leaders in your community, like God has called us to do. And let's start turning this thing around. We're the leaders yeah. that we've been waiting for. Yes. Nobody's yes. nobody's
1: coming to bail us out of this. <laughs> no, there's
0: no QRF man.
1: And it, and and back to the. Kruger um, Dunning
0: Kruger effect to
1: the, to the Dunning Kruger effect after the fall, it's the correction that happens. As you saw that line going back up. Um, that's, that's the real crux of it. There's a similar story just one generation after Eli, his name is David. The same thing happens to him. And, and yet When he falls after his arrogance, he doesn't just say, that's it, I'm done. But rather, he starts with repentance, and he gets back in there and realizes that God is his strength through all that, and he starts ascending back up into his walk. Yeah, there was a fall. Eli would have had the same thing. I have to believe that if he would have fallen on his face and repented that God would have heard his repentance, done something with Hophni and Phineas, and moved on. Yeah. But, but he didn't. And so look at David and then look at Eli mm-hmm. and, and realize there can be repentance, but it depends on your level of arrogance, I guess. Oh, that's a
0: great spot to leave it with.
1: Hey, if you guys like the
0: video, please make sure that you leave it a thumbs up, get down in the comments, let us know what you think, you know, feel free to disagree even you're going to be wrong, but feel free to disagree even (laughs) now. We love it. Hey, just know that uh, when we respond to you guys, that is actually me responding and I read every single one of them. Make sure that you subscribe, that you follow, help us defeat the algorithms by sharing this video with a friend and hey, we will see you back here next week on the Common Freaking Sense podcast. Have a blessed week, guys. Go with God. Take care.